you're listening to the Catalyst Church of Carrollton podcast. We hope this message speaks to you and encourages you. You can find more messages by searching Catalyst Church of Carrollton on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Learn more at IamCatalyst.net. Morning, Catalyst. How y'all doing, CC? Y'all good? Before we jump into this message, I want to read something to you. I was, um, I was in Pigeon Forge. We left after Sunday, after church Sunday, and uh, we were at, one day we were at a uh, family kitchen. I keep saying mama's kitchen. I don't know why, but Paula Dean's restaurant. And I got the numbers for all the giving tree and how many kids. And I'm a crier now. I don't know what it is. Like I, don't, like I used to could actually crack a few jokes and get past it. But I just started, oh, God. <laughs> Looked at Will and baby girl. Angie was downstairs in the gift shop, I think. And I just said, it's Jesus, man. This, the church, what we've done this year, I want to read something. Can I do that? Can I just read? I I wrote my thoughts down so that hopefully I don't cry. When I'm spontaneous, I cry more. (laughs) I want to talk about how good God is, how good you are, before I jump into this message. Is that okay with y'all? If it's not, it don't matter. I got the mic, so. (laughs) This is, this year has been tough, but it's been amazing. We sat down early fall and tried to prepare and plan for this Christmas outreach. And we didn't think it was going to be as big as past years for obvious reasons, COVID and just a lot of transition. And, and, uh, and COVID hit us, you know. Um, a lot of transition has hit us like the rest of American church. We're building again. Tell somebody right now, say, but God. But God. Better say it loud. Say, but God. but God. Not just for our church, for your family. Say, but God. but God. Online, you can drop a comment. If you're live with us, say, but God. This year has been the biggest outreach yet by far Christmas-wise. Final numbers are we provided Christmas for 158 kids. Over 1,422 gifts wrapped and delivered by Catalyst Church. Biggest year by far, y'all. I'm talking pre-COVID, all of it. Since May, we baptized 25 people. These altars have flooded. I've just... I'm talking about single mothers with their babies, believing God, people that are growing. And I've seen y'all taking notes and we're growing together. I see y'all trying to follow my craziness. You aren't looking at me, amen, and me. You're writing it down and we're growing together. Our church is growing. We've had some crowds the last few months that are as large, not large, but that too sometimes when I'm up here and not not on my game, as large or larger than Easter this year. Just the last few months, we've had several crowds That's hard to do in any church. I could go on and on and I will talk more about it in the days ahead and all that God is doing through Catalyst. But this year has been hard, but it's been rewarding. And I want to thank you. Thank you for all you do. Every volunteer, every one of you matter. Will you make a difference? And I want you to know no matter how crazy Sundays are, no matter if I get to talk to you, I see you. We see you. People see you. You make a difference. Every toilet cleaned, every character, the things that happen behind the scenes that nobody sees you, we see you, not just Jesus. Thank you for investing, being faithful and giving, giving consistently whatever you can. It makes a difference. It will continue to make a difference. What you give matters. Thank y'all for being the church, for being my church family. You're a blessing. Thank you online, Catafam. Whether you've never been in here, I know we have a lot of following. Whether you're sick at home, I've gotten texts from a lot of families uh, the last day or two saying you got strep. Thank you for being a part of this, all of our online family. Thank you for tuning in and growing with us, working with our tech difficulties. Thank you for investing and giving because you're a part of this too. And your investment matters. You matter and you mean a lot to us. Next week, we're having an online service only. I swear I wasn't going to say only, and I don't only, but I did. And then I said it right when I tried to say it wrong. That's about right. I'm going to miss you. I'm going to miss this. But we want you to enjoy your family one more day. I want to give you all one more Christmas morning after Christmas. We want to give our volunteers a break, our staff a chance to breathe. We want you to wake up, enjoy the service, then make memories and be in the moment. The band has worked on something really special. They put a lot of hours into it. It's amazing and, of course, Christmassy. A lot of love and a lot of people worked hard on this online service. It's the best we've ever done. It's the best quality, sound, 
I'm so thankful for everything God is doing. It's the best yet. We've also, we also have something just for the kids. I know we've kind of gotten out of the habit, but we love kids and Garcata Kids is growing and there is something available for the kids next week. All of that will be, be available on Facebook, YouTube, the church app at 11 a.m. Sunday. And it will also, just like the Sunday services, be posted at 5 p.m. on Sunday afternoon again. Get the word out. Please stay faithful when you're giving. It's a lower offering when we do this. We are a family. When we aren't in person, we are still in this thing together. Um, We will be back in person January 2nd. We're going to keep growing together. I've been challenging myself in the scripture. Uh, Again, I say this a lot, but it's true more than ever. And I can't wait to challenge and encourage you. And I'm going to promise you this. I'm going to promise you this. We haven't seen anything yet. I don't just say that because I'm a hype guy and I like to get loud and pump people up. I believe that. I don't just preach it. I've seen it. I've seen it. My story is your story. The details are different, but we all got a testimony. You hear me, Catalyst Church? Will you stand to your feet right now and can we give it up for God and the people that God uses in this church? He is good. He is good. We are growing. We are growing closer to him and the best is yet to come. So let's raise our hands right now. Lord, we thank you that you were going to speak through this message because Christmas is for real. You are for real and we take you at your word. We take you serious. We thank you for everything you've done, are doing, and yet to do. And we focus in this moment. We settle ourselves down. We are ready to hear. Say it, Catalyst. Say, I want to hear you. Online. Go ahead. Say it from your living room, bedroom, wherever you are. Say, I want to hear you. We want to hear you, Lord, speak through me, speak to me. We are focused on you. In Jesus' name, give him one more round of praise as you're seated. We're about to, we're about to, pre- we're about to get in this thing. All my Cata fam in person, online, if you haven't already, share the video. You can put handle hope. We're going to spread some hope to people. And we're going to spread it to as many people as we can. While you're doing that, if you haven't already... Find somebody near you, lock eyes with them, and say, y'all ready for this? Oh, I'm going to wake up. Go ahead. Y'all ready for this? Find somebody. Say it. Lock them. Say, y'all ready for this? I mean, you better do your MC Hammer, boys. All my young people, if you don't know, you can Google it later. (laughs) Say it. Say, y'all ready for this? Because I'm going to tell you, I am. Here's the truth. Here's the truth. This is the truth for anybody who will ever hear this message years live later. Here's the truth of it all. You, every one of you, you have all the hope, you have all the possibilities, and you have all the potential in the world. Every one of you. Every one of us, we do. You have it all. But hope won't do anything for you until you do something with it. Won't do anything for you. Matter of fact, having hope doesn't help until you handle hope. I'm going to say that again because this is my whole message. The finish of this series, my Christmas message. Having hope won't help you until you handle hope. Matter of fact, will you say that with me? Having hope won't help me until I handle hope. It won't. There's a word we like to say a lot these days. We like to beg people to do, but we don't practice and we don't do ourselves. It's very simple. Stay. 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 I don't know what it looks like in your life because it's different season to season, situation to situation, person to person, but... Whatever it looks like in your life this Christmas, next year, every day, every Christmas, you need to stay. You need to stay. There is a power in perseverance. There is a power in planting your feet. There is a power in standing your ground. There is a power in not losing hope, holding out, and trusting God. There is a power in staying and not quitting. That is how you handle hope. Tell somebody, handle it. Isaiah 26, the prophet says this, you will keep in perfect peace whose mind is, say that with me, stayed on you. Why? Because he trusts in you. Yes, I preach about it all the time. There's some things that you need to walk away from, some people that you need to walk away from. There's some things you need to let go of, some people you need to let go of. There's some things that you have stayed way too long and it has affected your entire life. But that's not what I'm preaching about today because there's also some things that you quit and you don't stay and you run and you sabotage and you set yourself up for failure because we live in a world that we have a quitting culture. 
And there's a reason that we have a quitting culture. There's a reason that we fight people and burn bridges and we quit. There's a reason for that. It's because we have more options to quit than ever and we have more excuses to quit than ever. We have more outlets to make excuses and to quit and, to, and more outlets to use those options, to burn bridges, to, to uh, push people away, to pull people close, to sabotage, to be complacent. Social media, the world's at your fingertip. The reason we have a quitting culture is because it's easy to quit. But the prophet Isaiah says, he will keep in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you. Tell somebody stay. stay. You got to handle hope. You got to handle hope. Hope is not your problem. Having hope is none of our problems. I don't care how old you are, how sick you are, I care, but it doesn't matter. No, I'm telling you, hope is not your problem. How you handle hope is our problem. God has given us all the hope in the world. Jesus loves you. He's here for you. He'll fight for you. Christmas is not a fairy tale, but it will never be a come for real in your life until you begin to handle the hope that God gives you every single day when the Bible says his mercies are new every day. Your problem's not hope. The world's problem's not hope. Your marriage problem isn't hope. It's how you handle hope. All my single ladies, all my single ladies, I just went Beyonce on y'all, all my single men, everybody in the building right now, you better say it with all you got. Say, I got to handle it. Uh-uh, you got to do better than that. Say, I got to handle it. Online, you better drop a comment and say, you gotta, I got to handle it. All my married people in the place, if your significant other or your spouse is within shouting distance of you, lock eyes, point to them, be rude, whatever, say, we got to handle it, baby. I got more married couples than that, but I'm going to work on it in a minute. Yeah, you ain't romantic every other day you in here, Randall. You just talk a bunch of junks, what you doing? You got to handle it. Say it with me right now, say handle it. Handle hope. Hope isn't your problem. The hope of Christmas not having it isn't you've got it, you've got to handle it. And we're about to jump into this thing. We got bulletins. If you didn't get a bulletin, I hope you did. We got them coming in. We're growing together. Take notes online. You can download the church app. We're about to grow and do Christmas together. Y'all ready? Y'all ready? I'm finishing this series. We're going to handle the hope that God has given us because until you handle it, it really isn't going to be anything or do anything for your life. One more time. Say handle it. You got to handle hope when you're scared. You got to handle hope when you're scared. You got to handle hope when you're scared. Jesus learned, when you look at the life of Jesus, he learned a lot of things by watching his parents. And you see the attributes in his mother and his earthly father. When you're scared, Luke 1, it says in the sixth month, I want you to see this for what it is. I could teach on the culture and what was going on then all day, but I want you to, I want to hit on the points. In the, in, in the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, this is John the Baptist's mother, Mary's cousin. God sent an angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a village in Galilee, to a virgin named Mary, who would be the mother of Jesus. She was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of King David. Gabriel appeared to her and said, Greetings, favored woman, the Lord is with you. Confused and disturbed. Because God messes up things a lot. He does it for a reason, but we don't like it. Mary tried to, Mary tried to think what the angel could mean. Don't be afraid, Mary, the angel told her. For you have found favor with God. Favor. What could that mean? You will conceive and give birth to a son and you will name him Jesus. He will be very great and will be called the son of the most high. The Lord will give him the throne of his ancestor David. And he will reign over Israel forever. His kingdom will never end. Mary asked the angel, but how can this be? I'm a virgin. You just told me not to be afraid. In that culture... It wasn't just looked, you weren't just judged when you got, married, got pregnant out of wedlock. It wasn't in the church where the, parents, where, the, where the parents said, I don't want you hanging out with that girl anymore like you can catch pregnant or something. It wasn't that ridiculous. It was worse. It was worse. They'd stone you. They'd kill you. It's like a big secret stuff. Mary's like, whoa, whoa, you said I found favor. You said, I'm, wait, you said I shouldn't be afraid. You know, mess things up again, God, because I'm telling you, the Old Testament is a lot like the New, and that God, mess, he disrupts everything to move in your life. If you got a lot of stuff going on that you're trying to sort through, trust me, that means God's moving because he will disrupt your life in order to lead you to your destiny. 
And you will be terrified when God's moving. In the good times and the bad. I've seen this church grow. I've seen some of the I've seen the mountaintops and the valleys and the same in my life in 36 years now. God is moving when things are moving fast and heartbreaking sometimes. Amen. Thought you said not to be afraid. Every time you come messing with me, God, you're afraid. I'm afraid. The angel replied, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you so the baby to be born will be holy. When we be, he will be called the Son of God. What's more, your relative Elizabeth has become pregnant in her old age. He's literally showing his cards. Just a few of them though. People used to say she was barren but she has conceived a son and is now in her sixth month because the Bible predicted that John the Baptist would be the forerunner of Jesus. Oh, I love this. Can we say this together? For the word of God will never fail. Can we say this together? For the word of God will never fail. Can we say that again together all with authority? For the word of God will never fail. Online, drop a comment. Speak this over your family. Speak this over your health. Speak this over your children. Speak this over. Let's say it together. For the word of God will never fail. The Bible says it does not, that the word of God will not, not return void. If it's returning void, it's because you ain't working it. Because hope isn't your problem. How you're handling hope is the problem. Mary responded. This was her response. Terrified, scared, not many details. God gives you a few details in your story, especially when you're stressed out. You don't have a lot of certainty. That's not faith when you're certain of it. Mary responded. This is her response. This is how she handled it. I'm the Lord's servant. May everything you have said about me come true. And then the Lord, then the, excuse me, then the angel left her. Not many details. By the way, I want you to, I want want you to know why this is the finale of this series is because you have to have a reason worth staying before you stay. And we've talked about that the reason for the season is Jesus, but until he becomes your reason, it ain't going to do much for you. You gotta have a reason worth staying. You're gonna quit until you have a reason not to quit. You're not gonna have wisdom and stability in your life until you have a reason to stay and wisdom to walk away when it's time to walk away and to love and to invest in the right things. You've gotta have a reason worth staying to be able to grow. Mary was terrified. Terrified. She was terrified. She didn't give me any details. She said, hey, be it unto me according to your will. Whatever you say, God, I'm game. The angel left her. Not many details. She was alone. Alone. Now, I want you to know this also. This was her first baby. Numero uno. All my mamas and my daddies in the place, you know that you overcompensate and you were obsessive with baby number one. Don't play with me. I'm having to deal with it with our granddaughter right now. I love them. They're amazing, but they are the normal parents of a number one baby. And sometimes I just leave the room before I say something I can't unsay. You overcompensate. You are overprotective. You are unreasonable. And before I mess around and pop off to them and hurt their feelings, I'm walking away. Most of the time, every now and then I pop off. I ain't gonna lie. Anybody there like, you're just lying. You're up there saying you don't walk up. You're obsessive. Last baby. Oh, you give that thing the pizza man. Hey, you look nice enough. I'm gonna go get, I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go get my money. Just hold her, him for two seconds. I'll be right back. So Garrett, our fourth one, I love this story. I love this story. When Angie had Garrett, okay, when Angie had Garrett before she held Garrett, (laughs) I love this. She told the doctor because she was getting her tubes tied all at once. She's like, let's get all this business handled. Before she even got Garrett, like doctor's trying to get, she's like, hey, you take care of them tubes while you're down there? Making sure this oven is closed for business. (laughs) And then she grabs Garrett and I'm sure it was a moment like, thank you, Jesus, for this beautiful final gift from you number one is different than the last you know what i'm saying and mary's like this is number one she's about to get engaged with this good old dude this is like the way she dreamed of it just like in our culture she had her dreams and in one visit from an angel it was shattered in more ways than you can really understand in american entitled and privileged culture every one of you are this is how it's gonna be God, you just told me I got some bread in the oven. I ain't done nothing to make babies. What you talking about? They're going to kill me up in this mug. Nope. She said, whatever you want, God, I'm game. I'm terrified, but I'm game. First baby. First baby. Matter of fact, let me go back to this. I'm going to read this verse a couple times in this message. This is the first baby. Y'all ready? And while they were there, first Christmas, the time came for her baby to be born. 
She gave birth to her firstborn. She wrapped him in snugly in strips of cloth and laid him in a manger because there was no lodging available for him. This is not, we, we see this manger scene, it's all pretty, the nativity thing. This is a feeding trough. This is a ground that is full of turds. Full of turds. Man, I was thinking this week, when I step on our dog, who is a small, short-haired, long-haired chihuahua, I don't know, he's cute, but he's loud. When I step on his turds, and it seems like I'm always the one to find them, with the bottom of my feet, find them. When I step on his turds, I'm just going to tell you, I imagine things like putting him in the dryer for a few seconds just to show him who's boss. And all my animal lovers, listen to me right now. I said I imagined it. I didn't say I'd do it. And you may not think of that with your cats, but you think about worse things with people, so don't judge me. It makes me feel better when I have to clean the dookie off the bottom of my feet. And I'm not, I love people more than dogs. You're welcome. You, you get the benefit of that most days. But I'm going to tell you, like, I could not imagine Mary giving birth. Number one, I couldn't imagine to her giving birth because uh, for obvious reasons. I couldn't imagine giving birth in a room covered in Scotty turds. Covered. On top of them, covered, having to sweep them. A room full of animals a lot bigger than Scotty's. Smellier because they don't have a wife that is as anal as my wife about washing him because Scotty's breath is bad enough. Turds bigger. That's why I don't have big dogs. I love my grandchildren. They would never talk me into getting a big dog. I told my brother no years ago and he stopped liking me for a few months. If they have bigger turds than me, it ain't happening. <laughs> but this is how Jesus, this is what happened. I could not imagine it. Number one, nobody prays for that. Nobody wants that. You know the germs? Don't even worry about COVID. What about crap? About the infections from that? What about literally being displaced and you weren't expecting to have your baby there? No room. She was terrified. She was scared, but she didn't give it a second thought when Gabriel told her what was going to happen. I'm game, God. Whatever. Tell somebody right now, say, handle it. She handled hope. She had hope, but she didn't just have it, she handled it. Tell somebody one more time, say, handle it. Say, handle it. Say, handle it one more time. Say it with all you got. Say, handle it. Your problem is not hope. You have hope. Your problem is how you're handling hope. You got it. Mary had it. Had a way more stressful story than every one of us, and she handled the hope she had, and that's why we're still talking about her 2,000 years later. Handle hope. Handle it when you're heartbroken. When you're heartbroken. Because you have hope when you're heartbroken. It's just how you handle hope when you're heartbroken. <laughs> the temple presentation of Jesus when he was eight days old, because that was a Jewish thing. Babies around, around eight days old would have their presentation. And, and there's a time where Simeon, we, the scripture uh, was read in worship, where Simeon uh, was saying Mary, to Mary and Joseph, saying your baby's going to change the game. Going to change the game. Change the world, going to reveal the hearts of man. Man. But he, he says something else that's very truthful. He says, and a sword is going to pierce your soul, Mary. Because Mary would watch her baby boy, her perfect baby boy. Your babies aren't perfect. My babies aren't perfect. Her baby was perfect. Her baby was everything that's right in the world. Her baby to this day is everything that baby grew up, but that Jesus is everything that is still right in this world. And when we get it, when we focus on him, we're going to be that right, more of what's right. And she watched him executed on a cross. Innocent. Innocent. He's everything that's right and everybody hated it because of it. He didn't fight a lot of the battles we fought and everybody didn't like it. And honestly, he walked away from the fights that everybody tried to provoke him into and it killed him. She had to watch her son. Yes, Simeon was right. He would change the game, but she would watch him suffer and pay the price for being the person he was. Matter of fact, watch this. John 19. Standing near the cross where Jesus' mother, her baby boy's dying. 
I know I got some people, you've watched your kids suffer. You've watched them suffer with addiction. You've watched, you've watched great tragedy with loved ones. This woman is watching her perfect son die, slow suffocation. The nails in the feet and hands aren't what killed him. The suffocation was what killed him very slowly. To this day, Romans give them, had, had, were the best at long-term suffering where you didn't just die, you died slowly. And she says, standing near the cross for Jesus' mother, and his mother's sister, who was also named Mary, the wife Clopas, and Mary Magdalene, who, by the way, would see his resurrected body. Women, I love Jesus. Don't you? People, we, we, we suck sometimes, but Jesus doesn't. When Jesus saw his mother standing there beside the disciple he loved, John, he said to her, dear woman, here is your son. Did you imagine that? Numero uno. First baby whole life, watched him do the right thing, watched him make the right move, watched him do the, fight the right battles, watched him be criticized, watched him be, people try to plot to kill him 33 years and then stand beneath the cross where John, Jesus' best friend, is holding her and Jesus is right there saying, woman, here's your son. Heartbroken. That's the hope of Christmas. You know what she said? The same thing as she did on day one when Gabriel came and disrupted her plans. Be it unto me according to your will. And she stayed. She stayed in every season. She didn't just say it. Say it and she stayed. She stayed. And she stayed at the cross to the very end. And Mary continued in the New Testament church because we know that Luke and writers went and interviewed her and they got her story. That woman died staying in the will of God through it all, never losing the love of her God, the love of her father, even when God became her son and she watched him suffer. Heartbroken. That's how you handle hope. Hope is not your problem. How you handle hope is your problem. This Christmas when you're with people and family that have hurt you and you're having to go face to face, you don't have to fake it because you have the hope. He loves you more than they ever will. I don't, even if you got a spouse that loves you and you've got a family that loves you, he loves you more than they ever will because he created you, fearfully and wonderfully made you and Mary never lost sight of that and that's how she handled hope when she was heartbreaking. Heartbroken, we doubt God over things much smaller. We doubt God over things that are hard, y'all. This is not your kids not getting to play this is not Facebook rant material because we have an outlet to talk a bunch of crap when we don't like what our boss says or what other people decide this is not hormones this is not anxiety this is not this is not just some petty stuff this is everything she planned went sideways everything she dreamed for she's at the foot of the cross she stayed that's how you handle hope. We live in a culture, we run quick. We burn bridges, we push people away before having conversations because we are quitters. You're not a quitter. Take that back, you act like a quitter. You got the power of God in you when you decide to access it. Tell somebody, handle it. Handle it. I thought this was going to be a lot more upbeat, but I know I got serious now. Y'all know when I get serious, I get on point, right? Or, or, or a little bit too much. Tell somebody one more time, say handle it. Matter of fact, when I point to you now, we got to wake up. When I point to you, say handle it. Handle it. Online, when I point, you can drop a comment, say handle it. Here we go. You got to handle it when you're disappointed. When you're disappointed, you got to handle it. Life is going to disappoint you. There are going to be times that life is not ideal and downright disappointing. But this, you got to handle it. Check this out. How would you feel? Before I even go into scripture, how would you feel? How would you feel? If you were engaged to a woman, <laughs> she comes to you and says, hey, I'm pregnant, but y'all ain't even done nothing to make babies. Who's the daddy? Who's the daddy? And let the woman pop off to you that God is the daddy. Well, you'd be making calls to Willowbrook up in this mug. This man was not how he planned his marriage to marry. He had already been a father. He, he's already a father. This wasn't numero uno for him, but this was a marriage that he took seriously because he was a good man. Hmm. Joseph, to whom 
She was engaged, was a righteous man. By the way, if he doesn't handle this situation correctly, she's going to be stoned, killed. Like I said, this ain't church judgment that we like to whine about. This ain't even cultural judgment. This is this woman's life is on the line by how her fiance, who just found out that she's pregnant, how it goes down. Joseph, to whom she was engaged, was a righteous man and did not want to disgrace her publicly. So he decided to in, uh, to break the engagement quietly. Say that with me, quietly. I want you to see this because this is before the angel comes and confirms to Joseph that she ain't lying, she ain't been creeping. God's the daddy indeed. This man had no idea that what she was saying was truthful. It was so far-fetched in the moment and it says that he was the type of man that he wanted to handle the situation quietly. He was going to cut it off, he was, but he was going to do it in a way that would not disgrace her any further than she was already disgraced. I'm going to tell you, most church people even now, we would somehow find a self-righteous package to post on Facebook and say, this is what happened and announce to everybody, I love her and forgive her or all my people that your husband or your fiance, he cheated on you. I forgive them, but I'm going to walk away because I deserve better. And you're trying to fish for comments and rally people around you. Joseph wanted to handle it quietly because sometimes staying means staying silent. When things don't make sense, when people don't make sense, when their opinions of you don't make sense, when what, you, what, they, what they put you through, your family don't make sense, you just got to keep your mouth shut. That's what not quitting looks like. There's some things that you're engaging in that you need to stop. At your job, you need to stop. You're so loud and you make things worse and and last longer because I'm going to promise you emotional pain lasts longer and hits harder and it'll last a lot longer when you don't learn when when to be quiet and have discretion. Joseph said, I'm going to handle it quietly before God ever confirmed that this crazy story was actually the gospel. As he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Joseph, son of David, the angel said, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife. For the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit. And she will have a son and you are to name him Jesus for he will save his people from their sins. You, me, us. And this occurred, this all occurred, all of this occurred to fulfill the Lord's message through the prophet. Look, the virgin will conceive a child and she will give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel, which means what we've been talking about the last few weeks, God with us. He's with you. He's for you. And when Joseph woke up, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded and took Mary as his wife. He didn't try to, he didn't try to go, hey, what y'all think I should do on social media and try to get everybody to affirm that my decision is godly and right? Because if he did that, Mary would have got stoned. See, there's some things in your life you need to handle privately sometimes. There's some things you need to quit putting out. I need some Facebook suggestions. You need to quit asking political stuff. To, for Right now, everybody needs to shut up. I don't care what side you're on. I'm starting to really get frustrated with the people that I believe exactly like you do. Why don't we have some real productive conversations? Because we have all lost ourselves the last two years, me included, and we get, I'm getting back. I'm back, baby. Man. He didn't go. He didn't, I'm telling you, there's some things you need to deal with privately. Because what he chose to do when he said, when he obeyed God, he was faithful, obedient. He didn't have to have a bunch of people. Matter of fact, he was going to be like King David in the Old Testament. When King David was alone and the Bible said nobody was there to encourage him, it said that King David encouraged himself in the Lord. There's some maturity if you can do like Joseph and David and when you got nobody else to truly encourage you in the Lord and you don't get affirmation because there's some things that you have to deal with privately. You have to hold the heartbreak, the disappointment, the fear to yourself. Are you willing to pull from his presence? Because if you're not willing to seek him, you're going to stay empty and you're going to need you're gonna have to fist for affirmation and, and encouragement from everybody else. But when you learn to encourage yourself in the Lord, that's where the power comes from. Hope isn't your problem. How you're handling hope is your problem. And you may have spent your entire life handling hope the wrong way. 
Joseph was disappointed. This was not the way he wrote it. Not the way he prayed for it. Matter of fact, I'm not even going to talk about testimonies right now. Let's talk about tests. How do you handle tests? How do you handle being rejected? How do you handle being second string, young people? How do you handle not getting the promotion? How do you handle the job that you didn't dream of? How do you handle making 25K a year when it's not enough? It's not what you dream of. How do you handle it when you have to face accountability for decisions that you made at your job and your boss doesn't appreciate you, overlooks you, when life's coming at you, financial issues are coming at you? How do you handle the test because don't come into church praying for God for a testimony when you're not willing to say God I'm gonna trust you in the test man go look at the Bible when it says count it all joy when tribulation comes your way go look at the process go look at the process because you got hope but if you don't handle the process you don't get to ever experience the promise Oh yeah, the promises of God are, condition, are totally conditional. His love is unconditional, but what he offers you, you're going to take him seriously or not. How do you handle it? Hope isn't your problem. How you handle hope is your problem. This man was a daddy. Matter of fact, check this out. I'm going to read this verse again. Luke 2. And while they were there, the time came for her baby to be born. He's the daddy. He's right there in this pile of crap and manure and manger and feeding trough. She gave birth to her firstborn son. She wrapped him in snuggly clothes of strips of cloth and laid him in a manger because there was no lodging available for him. Think about how you would feel as a man. It's the best I can do. It's all I can provide for her. God, I've done the best I can. And this is where I'm sitting for this baby to be born because this was his baby. He was committed. This was his family. Not biologically, but this was, he would raise this kid. Jesus would have these characteristics because he saw them in his father, not just his heavenly father. What do we do? We beat ourselves up, then we beat everybody else up. We project on everybody else. We blame people. That's what we do. This was not ideal. This was downright disappointing. This was downright heartbreaking. It was scary. It was sad. It was awful. But you know what he did? He did the best he could with what was handed to him. He was faithful to his family. He was obedient. He did the best he could. It wasn't ideal. It was awful. But he moved forward. He didn't blame. He didn't get angry. I'm sure he was disappointed, but he trusted God. He handled hope. That's how you handle it. Tell somebody right now say handle it that's how you handle hope you know the the world we live in if you can't provide enough for your family I've grown up in church culture I saw it oh he's a good man but he's a broke man and his family's broke look at the first Christmas man had nothing to give but he had his faithfulness and he had his character and that's how he handled and you can handle it that way whether you're 70, 80, or 7. You begin to experience God on that level. You trust him. Trust him broke. Trust him blessed. Trust him in everything in between. I promise you, you'll see the glory of the Lord in the land of the living, as King David said. Tell somebody one time, say, handle it. Handle it. Handle it. Handle it, handle it when you're an outsider. Handle it when they're an outsider. I think that's where we are next. When you're an outsider. Wise men, man, I love the story of the wise men because it is the most American censored nursery rhyme bunch of baloney I've ever heard. Wise men, you know what the wise men were? They were witches. Can we just get that out of our system since we're in church and people don't like that terminology? You start talking about witches and stuff. Go ahead, say it with me. Say witches. Drop a comment on Facebook. Drive everybody crazy. Whoever comes to the video, just put type witches. Wise men, magi, they were witches. Male witches. And let me tell you how crazy this is, that they were the first, some of the first told of the birth of Jesus. In Israel, in the Old Testament, if you were a Jew, witchcraft was punishable by death. These boys were Jews, they wouldn't be alive. The people you snarl at, the people that you take shots at on social media who don't believe like you, look like you, vote like you. And then you say, don't judge me while you're judging them and you don't realize what a hypocrite you are because you're in, emo you're in your emotions. That's who they were, but they were the worst because they weren't just the people that saw things different that you thought were the problem. They were the ones that would be killed, 
executed. You'd read newspaper articles and psychology reports of how they got lost and how their childhood was so messed up. And this is the reason they turned out to be the monsters they are. You get what I'm saying? But they were the first told sinners, outsiders, the people that you think are the problem, the people that you look at, why they wear their pants so low, pants so high, why do they look like that, dress like that, why do they talk like that to their elders, why do they like that type of music, why do they do those devil things, why are they so disrespectful, why do they vote like this, people, they lost their mind, they're liberal hippies, they're conservative bigots, all those things, those type of people, but like jack it up on crack 10 times. They were the first told. And I'm going to tell you, whether you like to hear this or not, it's good news for every one of us because every one of you are messed up. Matter of fact, turn to the person next to you and say you're messed up. Now turn back to them and say you are too. Now I want you all to say it to me right now. I want you to say, say it online, type it, go ahead, tell me, say, Ben, you messed up too. You know the difference? I know it. I know it. That's the difference. And we were talking to our, uh, Angie and I saw a counselor this earlier this year uh, for pastors, got us just through a, a, a tough season in ministry, just very encouraging. And he told us, he said, man, why are you trying to figure out balance? There's no such thing. Awareness and management. That's all you got you to be aware of. You got to manage it. None of us are balanced. We all get off track. Be aware and manage it and keep preaching. That's what he said. Keep preaching, keep pastoring, be aware of it and manage it. We all messed up. And it's good news that these witches were the first to get asked or invited to this whole party. <laughs> Took them a while to get there because they were a lot farther away, but uh, they were invited. They were invited. Matter of fact, you, they were invited, but you know what they did? Because you may be an outsider, you may be a window shopper, you may feel like, oh, you come in church and you hold your head down, you go to school, you go to your job, you try so hard, try to prove yourself, want to make money, find somebody, want to get pissed off at people to prove yourself, you got so much to prove and accomplish, you're, you're always on, anxi on anxiety because you feel like you, you have no control, you want control, that's what anxiety is, by the way, wanting control. This is what those outsiders look at in, you ever felt like you could never experience, you're on the sidelines, you celebrate everybody else's victories, but you've never really got to experience what you see everybody else experience. Do I got some humans in the building right now? Because we are all just like the wise men. In our own way, you got your own dookie and dysfunction. You got your own doubt and questions. Don't sit here and act like I am just totally certain that Jesus is victory. What about the days you're not? What about the days you could literally cuss God out in your pillow and maybe you even do? Amen. Well, here's what the wise men did outsiders looking in right after this interview the wise men went their way and the star they had seen in the east guided them to bethlehem it went ahead of them and stopped over the place where the child was when they saw the star they were filled with joy they entered the house and saw the child with his mother mary and they bowed down and worshiped. Man, we've lost sight of worship in our culture. Then they opened their treasure chest, gave him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. They gave the best they had. Outsiders looking in. Window shoppers to that culture. Listen to me. You may feel like an outsider. The world may make you feel like an outsider. You may feel like you were the exception, not the rule that you were overlooked. I'm telling you, whether you feel like an outsider or truly are in the place you live, in your own house, you can feel like an outsider. But you know what these boys did? They went in. Oh, they, were, they weren't window shoppers. They weren't outsiders looking in because this is how you handle hope you walk in. You're not a window shopper when you go in that thing because they knew exactly that God invited them to something and he had something for them and they went in. They went in the land and the city that, that, that what they did and how they lived were punishable by, punishable by death. They went in, Catalyst Church. They didn't window shop. They, didn't, they got invited. You know what they did? They went. 
You go in your schools, you go, young people, with your head held high. You got nothing to prove but everything to accomplish, as Steph Curry said. You go in your job and you begin to grow in the abilities and gifts that God has given you. You go into your marriage, all my young married people, and you begin to define the life that God has called you to build and raise kids the way God called you to do it. You go in your finances, you were faithful, you were generous, you trust him and you manage your money. You go in when life is tragic and disappointing and hurt and you feel outside it like an outsider you feel overlooked when your spouse doesn't appreciate you you don't start doubting yourself you go in they were a window shopper but they went listen to me don't you dare just pray sun stand still prayers make moves apply for the job how in the world can you come to church and just feel good and pray and worship and hope for something and never truly do anything with it apply for the job Ask her out. Ask him out. This is 2022 almost. We're, we're busy. We can't do all the work asking you out, man. You're beautiful. You know it. Why don't you go ask him? Why don't you cross the room and say, hey, I was a chicken. Thank God for Angie. Grown woman. Won't you have the conversations? You're not a window shopper. You're a human being. Have the hard conversations with your, in your marriages. There's some things that need to change in all of our marriages. Good marriages have seasons that you need to have hard conversations. This needs to change. Have the conversations and the relationships in your life that need to change. They need to shift or else. Have the conversation when you're an employer. I deserve a raise. You can do it respectfully, but boldly and clearly. I got people looking at me like, man, that's a hard one. You're going to be a window shopper, you're going to go in. You feel like an outsider? Compensation is a respect thing. Not a greedy thing. Oh, I started ministry with all those righteous motives. I'm never going to ask for a raise. By God, I got, a mouth, I got mouths to feed. I'm hungry too. And I can do it respectfully. I'm not, I can come to the table and as long as I got my mind right, I can say, hey, this is what I need. I've been trying my best. I will continue to and we can have a fair conversation and I'm not going to shy away from it. Matter of fact, there's a lot of people in the last five years that if, if you've been around me, you know that I'm not afraid to hit things head on because you got to make moves. Don't just pray for the sun to stand still. You better get to moving because God has given you hope. It's time to handle the hope. And these guys that were left out, they were outsiders in Israel. Guess what? Tell somebody, say, handle it. Handle it. Jesus said, come. Come to me. Jesus said, whosoever, whosoever will may come and drink of the water of life freely. What we do is we walk in with the Abel. When we come in, we all head down. Boy, they brought their gold. They brought everything. They worshiped because they refused to be window shoppers. Catalyst Church, God's got something for you. Don't you be intimidated. Don't you shy away. Don't you let anybody treat you differently. Don't you let anybody in your life that will drain you. You can love them, but don't you dare. In, you invest in the right places, invest in the right opportunities, invest in the right people. You better make moves. They handled hope. Hope isn't your problem. How you're handling hope is your problem, Catalyst. Tell somebody, handle it. I'm almost done. Is that okay? I know I've gone long. Actually, I don't apologize for it. At all. Handle it when you feel small. Handle it when you feel small. Broke folks, shepherds, as broke as broke can be, small people. You feel small in your life. You feel insignificant. You feel like you don't have much to offer. You feel small. Shepherds were some of the smallest. They were the type of people that work a lot harder for a lot less. Back broke, back hurting. Shepherds caring for everybody else's flocks or caring for their own flocks. Either way, small. They felt small. Check this out. Small, broke people who felt insignificant were the first invited and the first to come. Check this out, man. We don't, we miss this. We miss this. And I'm about to, I hope I can bring this home for you this Christmas because Christmas is for real, but it's time for you to make it for real. Luke chapter two. 
when you feel small. That night there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby guarding the flocks of sheep. Suddenly the angel, of the, these are small people. This is just a few men in a field that bust their tails. Probably felt small. Honestly, the whole world probably saw them as small menial workers. Suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared among them and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. They were terrified, but the angel reassured them, don't be afraid. He said, I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. And you will recognize him by this sign. You will find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth lying in a manger. This is the part we miss, y'all. Suddenly the angel was joined by a vast host of others. The armies of heaven. They're seeing a show put on by heaven. These few guys in a field that felt small and the world probably treated them small. Armies of heaven praising God and saying glory to God in the highest heaven. And peace on earth to those with whom God is pleased. When the angels had returned to heaven, the shepherds said to each other, say this with me. Let's go to Bethlehem. Say it like you mean it. Let's go to Bethlehem. Say it like you're in the dark and nobody can see you because we turned the lights down for a reason. Say, let's go to Bethlehem. Let's see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. These guys haven't put on a show for some shepherds in a field. He was making a statement. You are not small. You are a contributor. You have something to offer. You have something to give. Don't you dare hold back what God has given you to give. You know how many years it took me to realize I have something to give and to to give it and not apologize for it. I'm telling you, these shepherds said, let's go see what this is. Let's go to Bethlehem. You were somebody. You were significant. You matter. You were important. You have hope, but it's time for you to handle the hope that God gave you the day you were born or before you were born because he told Jeremiah, he said, I knew you before I formed you in your mother's womb. Hope isn't your problem. How you handle hope is your problem. Thanks for listening. We'd love to know your story. Let us know how this message impacts your life. You can message us at info at IamCatalyst.net. We're here for you and we are for you. If you have a prayer request, you can message us at prayer at IamCatalyst.net. To keep up with what's going on at Catalyst Church in Carrollton, visit us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. Jesus cares about you. We care about you. And we hope you join us again on the Catalyst Church of Carrollton podcast.